Welcome to Support Up Simplified, where we interview thought leaders in the great field of customer support operations to provide you with actionable insights from the brightest minds in the industry. And now, your host, Sid Bumbani, CEO of Sumati. Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome to another episode of Support Operations Simplified. Uh, today, we have with us Jim Israel, um, who is a Director of Customer Success at Automotors, um, which is a division of ClearPath Robotics here in uh, Waterloo. Welcome, Jim. Thank you. Happy to be here with you today. Great. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm based out of Waterloo, and Jim and I have known each other for a while um, and, and, uh, you know, I, I want to introduce Jim, uh, but I know I will not do half a good of job of, uh, tracking his, uh, long career here in, uh, in support management, um, and, and coming through HR. So maybe Jim, you can give us a little bit of perspective of how you started off, um, and, and decided to make the switch from HR into customer support and the unique, uh, perspective that you bring, uh, as, as a result of that shift. Yeah, so my my career has kind of gone in a lot of different directions. So um, uh, moving towards technology was a career change for me. So I had worked for a number of years uh, in in more in warehousing and logistics. Uh, did some uh, a fair amount of time in inventory control. Did some ISO management. That led me to do a bunch of training. Um, of new employees, which led to the opportunity to do a bit of HR. I only did HR for about a year, but then uh, the company I was working for was sold and my position was folded up. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I decided to make a career change and, um, you know, was looking at technology. I'd always loved technology and uh, decided to take a risk and, and, and uh, went back to school for software engineering. Uh, software engineering technology at, mm-hmm. at Conestoga, um, and then when I came out of that, I actually moved uh, moved uh, to Bermuda and did some software development for a while for a for a great company in in Bermuda. And I'm sure uh, the weather there was terrible, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a rough life, but somebody has to do these things. You know? So. Um, so yeah, so then, uh, I came back, uh, due to an eldest in my family and, and was looking for work around, uh, Kitchener, Waterloo. Always thought that this area was, uh, was pretty awesome, uh, an awesome area to work in and with lots of opportunity. And, um, it, the, the best opportunity that was presented to me was really to marry my technical skills, uh, with, um, with my, with my people skills and uh and, and turn that into more of a, a customer support type of, of career so i started out uh you know working for a company supporting uh, uh, airline baggage systems mm-hmm. um i was their first software support person full-time uh, kind of took that over from a development team that was carrying pagers and uh, developed a team there and then uh, that led me eventually to the opportunity with ClearPath and Auto Motors um, uh, to take on uh, you know a little bit more of a leadership role and, and uh, take a team to help scale that team up. So um, past about eight, uh, almost eight, almost nine years or so, that's, uh, that's really been the direction I've been going in. I've only been with ClearPath now for uh, just over six months. So Oh, congratulations on the new role. Thank you. Um, and and there's, there's so many things you said in there in, in, in your 
um, bio there that that are so interesting. One of them that particularly caught my attention because I know anyone who's been in support has been in this position or or eventually will be in one of these positions if they join a, a scaling startup, which is you know taking over responsibilities for customer support from a bunch of developers who are carrying pagers around. Um, I know, I know that was the case uh, for me when I joined support for a while um, at uh, at one of the startups here in town. Um, what you know, as as you go through that change and and come into a technology, um, uh, uh, de- you know, deployment or technology companies where the focus is very heavy on engineering. Um, what are some of the challenges that you've seen in terms of getting? people to think about support the right way or, or think about supporting the customer not as an afterthought with a pager, but something that's core to the business? <laughs> um, I, I think, you know, a lot of leaders, uh, uh, you know, organizational leaders do understand that this is needed. And I, I but I think it, it kind of comes out of that scaling, right? We need people, we, we come up with an idea, uh, you know, our engineers come up with an idea and then we, we take it to market, see if uh, we have a market for it, we sell it. And then, oh my goodness, our customers actually want to call us when they have a problem. So mm-hmm. we should probably have somebody answer that phone. So that's, I've seen that that's very common that that's where it starts. Um, when you start to move into more of a professional support organization, so starting to think of, of your customer's success, your customer's experience as being a driver, um, a lot of times engineering side of things and, and, you know, and product management side of things is kind of thinking about things from, hey, what features does the customer need? Um, and, and, um, you know, it takes somebody who really starts to marry that understanding of the customer, um, with the engineering side to say, Hey, it's not just, um, it's not just what the, um, what the customer, you know, what features the customer is asking for, but it's also what, um, what they actually experience with your product. Mm-hmm. How easy is it to use? How stable does it run? How, um, how often does it need to be fixed? You know, how, how reliable is it? Can they count on it when they need to? And when then, and then on top of that, and then you're, you're also saying you're trying to deliver, um, you know, how fast can we resolve an issue when the customer actually experiences a problem? So all of that kind of has to come together and it, it, you really have to marry, uh, you know, design thinking with customer experience thinking, um, with process thinking and all those things have to come together. Right. Right. Now that's, that's an interesting perspective. And, and in fact, it's even more interesting considering your current position, which um, for people who are not familiar, ClearPath Robotics uh, is you know, one of the fastest growing startups in Waterloo or was a startup and now is more of a scale up, I would say. And, and Auto Motors, which is a division of it, is almost a, a spawn off within it. Would that be a correct assessment, Jim? Yeah, it, it's kind of a, it's a newer thing. It's been around probably four to five years, I would say. Um, and, and really they, they, you know, they had clear path, had their research robots and uh, they've kind of expanded on that now into uh, robots that serve industry. So mm-hmm. um, the product line would be, um, you know, the, the concept of the automatic, automated guided vehicle has been around for uh, quite some time um, where, you know, if when you're in a factory and you need to move goods from one side of the factory to the other on a regular basis, um, 
what they used to do a lot of was they'd have these uh, guided vehicles that would follow a wire in the floor or follow yep. a painted line, that kind of thing. So that, that technology has been around for a long time. Unfortunately, that technology is very inflexible. And with, uh, you know, focus on innovation, automation, um, and improvements uh, in efficiency at the factory level, um, you know, it, it gets very difficult to be able to adjust to changes that are constantly being made at these factories, even though these factories are large scale. It's amazing how much they actually do, um, you know, change how things are going. And, and mm -hmm. anybody that's moving materials around, you know, it's, it's um, in industry, it's materials movement is a very dynamic thing. It's constantly changing. So the, the, this concept of the self-driving vehicle, which is, um, you know, driving through an area, mapping its environment, um, seeing what's around it, responding to the environment to make sure that everybody around it is safe. Mm -hmm. um, that this is a, a fairly new technology that Auto Motors has really keyed in on, and uh, you know we're we're um, we're just racing to keep up with the demand for it, really. Right, right, and and that that presents an interesting challenge um, as you're building out the support arm um, of of this, right, or the customer experience part of it, um, which is. You have a company, um, let's say the parent company, that has some processes and 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 some um, kind of gauges in place um, for all of these things. Um, but you're kind of innovating within that um, constraint, but in in a in almost a spawn off startup. Um, what what are some of the things that you're keeping? status quo and what are some of the things that that you're innovating and and changing based on the requirements? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. It's um, the requirements of the customers that we are dealing with. So on the research side, uh, it's much more about buying a robot um, and then, you know, different organizations from anywhere from like universities to uh, private companies that are researching uh, different ideas with robots and, and buying different components and, and they're more experimenting with what they can do with these robots and training people with, uh, with the idea of using robots. It's a very different customer from, um, you know, an industry which has a process and a specific um, a specific use case that they are trying to answer. So, I, you know, really understanding understanding the customers. Um, I, I I was giving a presentation a while back, and I said, you know, we have to know our customers. So we've got to know their use case. We got to know who the people are that call us. We got to know what their level of technical expertise is. Um, and that's really fundamental to what we're doing, knowing what the expectation is, defining what that expectation is, and then building our process and our training and building up our people around that expectation. And then as well, feeding that information back to working to engineering teams, which I think right. oftentimes is, is very much lost. Um, it's funny that, you know, you get some organizations that focus more, you almost get a big foot in the side of engineering where it's, um, you know, kind of we're building up these feature sets around around an idea or you get some organizations that uh, some support teams that focus almost on the customer experience right. miss building those relationships internally within the organization, providing that feedback. And that's really what starts to elevate your um, 
your support team into a much more of a, a professional contributor across your organization, whereas you're, yes, you're being that voice of the customer, but you're also coming back into um, the other engineering teams and helping provide that um, that input that they can then use to adjust and, and meet those customers' needs. No, and, and that's a very that's a very important point, right? Because the focus um, in engineering teams today is very much on that agile. You know, put put a, a feature out there in the hands of the customers, get early feedback, and then uh, rinse and repeat and and modify as you go along. But in a lot of cases, there's so much more data or knowledge that the support team might already have in terms of who the customers are or how they expect to use the product um, that could maybe you know help reduce that agile cycle even further because you're not going on guesses you're going based on data that you know the canary in the coal miners is telling you about already yeah it the key to being effective with that uh, that I found um, and that also comes from my previous role where you know, I built a, a very strong relationship, um, not just on an escalation kind of thing like, hey, we found this problem and we don't know what to do. Can we escalate to you? Not just from that. That is definitely one component of support, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but be going past that to the point of helping uh, understand how they need to seed feedback and data that's useful to them so that they can adjust their product and prioritize on their product side. Right. So it's building the relationships up, not just with, so on the support side, you definitely, you know, it's a given, you have to have the relationship with your customers. You have to have a relationship with those in your organization who are also part of that customer management um, or that customer engagement, right? So your account managers, um, your salespeople, your customer success managers, you need to work um, as a team. And I believe firmly that anybody touching a customer uh, needs to have enough information that we all act as if we are the same person talking to that customer and have the same amount of information. You can get that through tooling and also through training and some process. Um, But then also coming back as a support team and really taking ownership of going back to your product management teams, your engineering teams, and asking them how they need to see their data and starting to use tools that and collect the data and the metadata around your your tickets and your engagements with the customer um, to present that back in a way that is um, actionable and, and and they can make decisions. The organization can make strat- uh, strategic decisions on. Interesting. No, and and you're right. I think I think the challenge lies in, or or you know, the the, the effectiveness of of being able to do that is is always what we're working on on the support side, right? Like because yeah. you said it's it's um, a combination of tooling and relationships, and and we all know relationships take a while to build, and and you know they're based on company culture and and a number of other things. Um, and on that front, um, you know, you coming from the HR background, you wrote an article a while ago about how to keep a company's culture intact um, and, and keep these things in place as a, a company scales very, very quickly because you're adding more people on um, very quickly and focusing on the technical aspects and sometimes the culture gets diluted. Um, can you just touch on that a little bit? Because I thought that was a very interesting point you made in that article. Yeah, as you're growing, you know, one of the things that um, I, I put a lot of high expectations on myself as a leader, as well as the leaders I work with and work for. 
and the the as you're growing an organization and as you're growing a team, especially when you go through these these spurts where you're adding lots of people into the team, um, it's very easy for uh, there to be a dilution of the understanding of what that expectation is, um, how to the engagement goes, um, and why we're doing what we're doing. Um, so what you can get into is when you when you bring somebody on board, their focus is on learning the process and the technical aspects of the job, especially in, you know, with automotors, um, the technology is very, very complex. You're dealing with multiple layers of mechanical, electrical, IT, uh, multiple layers of software, uh, both at the robot level and at the at the uh, the fleet management level. Um, so it's a very very complex level. So you're focused on okay, how do I do this? How do I support things? And you lose sight of what it is you're trying to do. Um, so this is where leadership becomes absolutely critical um, in in really helping people see the big picture and the vision of what it is. Because you're never going to be as a leader, and when you're going through scale, you're never going to be able to be into every detail in in managing every interaction. Uh, it just doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not a, I'm not a on the leadership side of things. Uh, I'm sort of the anti, uh, I stand in the opposite direction of those who, you know, put a heavy hand of control. Um, I'm more of inspire your people and equip your people and then get out of their way kind of uh, approach to leadership. So um, if your people are going, you know, in the wrong direction or if you're seeing the interactions, you're seeing evidence that the interactions with the customer or with other, uh, you know, other parts of the organization internally aren't happening the way you need them to come back to the big picture, define uh, the why. So um, I took very much um, a, a lot of where I'm coming from is is taken from Simon Sinek's Start With Why. Mm-hmm. Um, I encourage anybody uh, listening to um, to just, you know, go on YouTube. You can see all kinds of uh, stuff there um, from Simon Sinek. And he talks a lot about understand the why. Understand why this matters to the customer. Understand what it, you're trying to do. And that helps guide your team uh, as they're growing to be able to connect, you know, you know, why am I commenting this way? Why do I need to comment in this level of detail on a ticket? Connect those level of that low level of, um, you know, process and interaction with the customer requirements uh, up to the big picture of here's what we're trying to do at a, at a high level. So you want to provide that connection so everybody understands, you know, hey, this matters. And, you know, okay, so how does robots matter? It's cool technology. How does it matter? Well, it matters because, um, you know, there are factories that are competing against other factories in other parts of the world where labor is cheaper. And if they don't compete, if they aren't as efficient, um, then guess what? The jobs disappear. Right. So, you know, this is how uh, a robot that moves materials around a factory matters because it helps keep jobs uh, for these organizations. It also helps with safety. Um, walking through some of these places and, and uh, you know, seeing forklifts whip around and you've got humans riding these forklifts and, um, 
you know, they're driving backwards because they got a high level of skid stacked in front of them or something. And they're just kind of glancing over their shoulder racing at full speed. And, uh, you know, that's one of the riskiest jobs and one of the most mundane jobs in, in a, uh, in an industrial environment is just moving stuff around, but it's high risk, right? Both to people and to, uh, infrastructure, um, and so understanding, hey, wait a second here, what we do matters is because it's very, very safe. You know, I knew somebody once who um, was loading a skid of heavy material and had to weigh it. And it, it, they took this, uh, you know, skid up onto a, a very small, just a very small ramp up onto uh-huh. this one scale. And then they brought this, they weighed it, and then they brought the, uh, the skid down and the, the skid came down a little quick and they... They had done this a thousand times and, and um, this lady had done a thousand times and she just, um, you know, she went to stop the skid, twisted her back a little bit and basically ended her career, working career. Oh, wow. So, you know, so understanding that automating some of these jobs helps people. And, you know, we once, uh, I once asked uh, one of the, um, I was out with actually a couple of people from our organization and, and we once asked, you know, one of our customers and said, you know, Hey, are we taking people's jobs? And they said, you know, we've had our help wanted add up for seven years. We can't find people to do all the work we have to do. Mm. So we have to automate, you know, we have jobs that we need humans to do that is, you know, much more important. Right. So, and, and the argument on that one is always, you know, what is technology going to free up humans to be able to do more of, which is, yeah. um, you know, obviously something that's going to be a lot more uh, engaging, a lot more stimulating at a, at a mental level, but also something that's, you know, not repetitious, uh, repetitious. Um, that's not even a word. <laughs> but you, you see where I'm trying to go with that, right? And, and I think yeah. that's the point you're trying to make over there. Yeah, and, and, and really circling back. So I talk a bit about that, but really understanding the why, why this matters. And then you start connecting it down through the layer. So it, this matters because this has an impact on people. This has an impact on how people work. And and it can be at a very high, very wide scale. So getting the experience that they need and having these systems work the way they need them to is very, very important to people. Mm. And that's where you start connecting now the processes back to that, that larger picture so that people feel the energy, feel, understand the importance, get their energy from that, but also have their guidelines as they're making decisions on a moment by moment basis with the customer um, and deciding when to escalate things. Right. They have a basis for that uh, to make those decisions and, and understand how to approach their interaction. Right. Wow. Interesting. And, and yeah, I, I completely agree with that approach too. And I know we've talked about that a couple of times. Let's let's switch gears. And and sure. you know, I I think um, the why you you delved into very uh, in, in a very detailed way. Let's talk about the how. As in, how would you on a daily basis uh, make sure that you're keeping some kind of track, or or you know, making sure that the ship's steering in the right direction in terms of metrics, in terms of tooling, in terms of the day-to-day operations, right? So what are those tools or metrics or indicators that you use that help guide your ship to this bigger picture, this bigger vision that, you know, uh, the culture gets everyone to subscribe to? Yeah. 
Um, I, I, right now, that and that's a really good question. That's very, very critical to understand. Um, you know, are you moving the ship forward? Are you moving in the right direction? Um, be careful with metrics a little bit in that it's not about a race to improve a metric. Um, it's, it's ultimately about the customer's experience. The metrics help us understand that a little bit, mm-hmm. um, but understand that metrics aren't king. Customer experience is king. Metrics are just a way for us to help understand if we're heading in the right way, right direction. So, um, right now for our customers, one of the, the real key thing is mean time to resolution. Um, so when they have a problem, they need this to be fixed. So that's one of the, the, the main metrics we have been focusing on in the last six months is understanding where we are at, um, understanding how we can, uh, make a difference in that area. Um, and from there we've developed this sense of, um, you know, this, this idea of acting with urgency, not with panic. Mm-hmm. Um, so panic is running around with your hair on fire and you just, uh, you know, you can get people, um, who light fires in everywhere in the organization to try and get something moving forward that can often actually degrade the ultimate customer experience because you introduce inefficiencies um, into what you're doing. You have a lot of people working sometimes counter to each other or going off in different directions. Whereas acting with urgency is uh, setting a goal and ensuring that you're um, acting towards a goal and and moving on it and not letting it slide. So for us um, in the last six months, our focus and, and where we're at right now is really focusing on that mean time to resolution um, and then just making sure our customers know that, hey, when there is an issue, we will act on it. We will act on it with urgency and move things forward. So. Okay. You know, with a new with the with this kind of new technology coming out, um, you know, complex technology. Uh, one of the things we're going to be working on is simplifying that. Um, but yeah, that's mean time to resolution. On the customer experience side, um, the customer base is it's not like we have uh, you know a thousand customers um, that we need to send out surveys to. We we have a, a smaller branch of customers that are investing heavily within us. So mm-hmm. fortunately, we're still in a space where we have close interaction with uh, many of our customers. We also have partners that that implement systems and sell our systems for us. Okay. Um, and working closely with our partners to understand where they're at, what their customers are experiencing, as well as what our direct customers are experiencing. That's something we fortunately just are able to do through talking with them and understanding where they're at. So it's much more of, a, uh, you know, talking to them, getting a feel for it, understanding, you know, Oh, their confidence in, in where they're at with the technology. Are they getting the beneficial use they're looking for? Do they see the reliability they're looking for? Interesting. Yeah. yeah, no, and and you know, you made a good point about the the fact that the metrics are the you know they're a way to get to that customer experience, not necessarily the end goal. Um, and you know, when you talk about mean time to resolution, I mean, I, I know in, in your industry it's very niche, um, and and the kind of issues you have are highly complex. But I'm sure even in your past life and in, in your previous companies, you've seen these metrics transform into something that become um, the end goal for a lot of 
cases where, you know, uh, I know support organizations where people's bonuses depend on certain metrics. Um, <laughs> you know, what's, what do you see as, you know, if you had to put some of these in place, um, what are some of those key ones that talk best to the customer experience um, in a way that um, you as a support person would be able to subscribe to it without going in the wrong direction just to be able to, you know, quote unquote, game the system? Yeah. And that's, you're touching on a point that's really key about these, you get into a metric like mean time to resolution. And if you're not careful as a leader, then you can put, you can um, almost, you can mistakenly or easily fall, get your team falling into the habit of, hey, close, 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 close. Let's just get these tickets closed. um, So we're meeting our MTTR. Um, and, and you really have to take a step back with your team and say, it's not about MTTR. That's just one of the metrics we're using. It's about the customer's experience, what we're trying to drive into. So this is where connecting that metric to the bigger picture uh, really matters. And so I, that's something I, I try to come back to on a frequent basis mm-hmm. and just remind the team that it's it's not just about closing a ticket. It's about that customer experience, the the experience that they need with our system. So um, there's a lot of different metrics out there um, and a lot of different ways of measuring customer uh, satisfaction and that customer experience. You you can do a, a, a Google search and find all kinds of stuff on that. I think the thing is, is this balance of enough, but keeping it as simple as possible. Yep. And um, that's that's where I, I tend to land on with metrics is enough to take action on, enough to create an understanding on without creating such a level of complexity that the, the data gathering in itself becomes onerous. So the best way to get there is to really understand your customer. So for us, understanding what our customers, our needs, you know, our our users and the main people that are going to be um, depending on these systems, you know, are these uh, process engineers and these um, site uh, supervisors, shift supervisors, um, and, you know, the, um, the plant manager. And uh, these are the folks that need to, to trust in your system. So uh, things like understanding how we can measure points of reliability mm. um, on the system, how we can um, understand. Uh, so that's some hard metrics, but also the softer metrics, which is talking to the customer and saying, you know, what is your confidence level in the system? What is your... Um, what is your willingness to expand and now, you know, grow with this system? And as we start to understand that, we get a decent gauge of where the customer is at. Right. Um, and then if a customer is not in the place where we need them to be, then we can sit down with them and start figuring out what are the key things that are holding them back. Yeah. No, that's, that's, uh, it's kind of where I expected you to go with that, um, given given everything we've talked about. It's it's really interesting to me, Jim, how um, you know you've kind of you're, you're building this from the ground up um, right now. You've done it in the past, and I'm I'm curious to see you know as we've stepped into the new year, what are some of the let's say one to three most important things um, that you have um, in the plans to improve the customer experience or improve the operations um, as uh, as ClearPath and, and automotive continues to grow? 
Yeah, and we're we're looking at some pretty significant scaling up in front of us. Um, you know, there's a lot of interest in our technology. We are, um, I, I would uh, has. I think I would I wouldn't hesitate to say that we are one of the leaders in this in this area. So if not the leader, um, certainly we have some competitors out there, but we've got some edges that uh, some stuff that is giving us an advantage there. And um, you know, for us, a few of the key things are um, continuing to grow as a team to understand how to work complex tickets through in an urgent but organized way. Um, that That is one of the areas we're looking at growing. We are in many respects, uh, you know, the team is very, very junior. I think I have two people that are over a year on the team, mm. on this team. There are some people that have had previous experiences in different organizations and in different industries coming into this support team. Certainly, I've got some people with significant experience there, but applying it um, into our environment is really, really key. So, working with the working with the team to kind of to to set the expectation on that customer experience that we're, we need to meet and define it and understand it um, and to continue to develop towards that. That's one thing. So that's on the, the level of, hey, here's how we interact with the customer. Here's how we document our interactions. Um, here's what we need to be doing as far as moving issues forward. So that's, that's one component. Uh, I'd say the next component is uh, we're looking at scaling up our tooling. So um, not unusually, I, I've heard other people say this, you know, we've been using JIRA. Uh, we have been using JIRA as our ticketing system because obviously this thing grew out of an engineering side yeah. of things. Um, so we, we would be looking to move to a new ticketing system, which we've already settled on. We uh, will be Salesforce. Um, at least at this point, uh, we haven't implemented yet and haven't finalized that yet, but uh, we're looking at moving towards Salesforce. And well, then, good luck. I've heard yeah. it's uh, quite the undertaking. Yeah. You know what? Move, any ticketing system is, <laughs> That's is quite an undertaking. <laughs> so, um, uh, you know, my approach is much more of an iterative kind of thing. So understanding what the capabilities of the system and where we, the, our approach to this wasn't, hey, let's find a ticketing system that's popular and then work our way backwards from it. We, we, what we did was, as I, I sat down with uh, a number of folks in, in the team and in the organization, and we put together a list of requirements that were needed. And then we went out and shopped for the system that would actually meet those requirements and would have the capability of growing with us. That's why we landed where we landed because um, that all depends on what you're trying to do right um, it's not about the tool so there there are those that try to fit your processes to the tool uh, the idea though is is trying to figure out what your processes need to be and then find the tool that fits that, that fits the processes no I, I, that's that's absolutely the right way to go about it yeah so, so those are two. So, bringing up our tooling, bringing up our our team's understanding of how to meet the customer's expectation. Um, I think one of the other major initiatives we're working on right now that I'm actually knee deep into and will be right after this <laughs> um, is is developing a really consolidated and and well well-rounded feedback system into the engineering team. So they've been asking us for information. We've been giving them, we've been giving them a, a, 
a bit of information, a bit of feedback on a monthly basis. What we're trying to do is develop this in a way that um, they can make better strategic decisions and understand where to prioritize. So um, our engineering and product management teams, even our uh, senior man- uh, senior management team is uh, very curious to say, okay, so what are we seeing out in the field with mm-hmm. this stuff? So um, that's what I'm working on right now. Um, that is, uh, and my approach with that is actually a little bit different too. Um, I'm trying to develop it in a, such a way that I can produce a, a, a report, but the report, instead of being like a, a PowerPoint or a, a PDF or Word document of some kind, instead, what I like to do is create a, use a business intelligence tool type of approach where I can put stuff on a dashboard in front of you, but as you start asking questions and want to hone deeper, we can just click on parts of our data and then focus down that data. So, you know, you're a, a, an electrical engineer. All right. So let's look at the electrical issues and boom, now we can, now all of a sudden the, the data on that dashboard changes to show you just the electrical issues, right. yeah. which customers, that kind of thing. No, that's that's uh, yeah. I've I've heard um, in a number of conversations I've had uh, with some of the other guests um, about how you know getting access to that information in a in a real time way where people can self service it is uh, really the way things are moving in the future as opposed to a stagnant report that comes out at a set duration and people kind of forget about it after they've seen it once, right? So I, I definitely think that's the right approach around there. Um, and yeah, you, you know, it'll be it'll be great to have you on the show. Um, maybe a little while later, once you have uh, kind of figured out uh, a plan or or implemented this in some way, um, to share some of the learnings from that with uh, with our audience as well. For sure, would be happy to come back. Cool. Well, Jim, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Um, there's a lot of stuff that we we covered over here, a lot of ground and and a lot of uh, gold nuggets here. Um, thank you for your time, and uh, really appreciate it. Thank you. Pleasure to be with you today. Okay. Thanks for listening to Support Up Simplify with Sid Bambani of Sumati. Tune in next week for another interview with a customer support operations thought leader.